Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of Fresh Fruit. We're so glad you're here. We all want peace. We're in a third week of our series called Fresh Fruit. We take a look at the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but, but it's been really good, a series, as I've been going each week and thinking, man, uh, there is something I, I need to improve on with every single week. And this week is uh, one of those weeks for me. So peace. Everybody wants peace. Whether you're a national leader sitting across the table from other world leaders, or you're a business person or a business leader, you're trying to close a deal. You have the strength stressors of the company, of the business on your shoulders. You're trying to manage a group of people. You want peace. Or you're a parent trying to corral the kids after the 930 service here at church, right? You want some peace. Or you're just trying to make it into church. You want some peace. Um, Let's just for a second pause. And I just want to say a big thank you to our parking team and to our ushers. Can we give them a round of applause every week? They show up as hot as it is and as grumpy as we can be. uh, They make it happen with a smile on their face. We're so grateful for you guys. Um, We all want peace, whether you're a, a pastor trying to give a sermon on peace. We all want peace. And we try to go to extreme lengths to be able to get peace in our lives. And most of us, if we're honest with ourselves right now, we would say that I've experienced more stress this week than I did peace. So the question is, where does peace come from? How do we get this lasting and fulfilling peace? People are trying all sorts of things. You try yoga and meditation techniques, right? You get those expensive Bose headphones, the noise canceling ones, so that you can drown out the world around you, right? You would go, you're going on vacation, you go on a Caribbean cruise just to get some peace in your life. You go to 30A, If you don't know what 30A is, it's the Middle Tennessee, when people from Middle Tennessee all travel together and they go to the beach. (laughs) Maybe um, you think that it's that. Did you know in this month, or in the month of June, we spent $108 billion on travel? It's the most ever. That's because people are maybe stressed. People want to get away. People are actually trying to make up for lost time as well over the past few years. They're like, man, I just want to get out. $108 billion. But I want you to know something today that I may upset some of your views of peace and what peace is and what peace ought to be. But I do want to do this. I want to give you a biblical perspective of what peace actually is in our lives. Three types of peace that I want to leave you. It's on your notes. And it's the peace with God, having peace with God, experiencing the peace of God, that personal peace, and peace with other people. How do you have peace with other people in this world? Here's what I'm going to do real quick because I know... There are a lot of people in the room and a lot of people who are worshiping with us online that have carried a lot of stress and a lot of burdens and maybe a lot of anxiety here. And you are far from this idea of peace. I want to just pause here and just say, the Bible says this, when we draw close to him, 
he will draw close to us. So in the next few moments, I pray collectively that we could draw close to him, that we could leave here with hope. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We're grateful for today. I pray that we are forever changed by your words. Your words are living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, I pray that you use them to change us from the inside out. We want to be a people who, who live differently than the rest of the world. So God, um, train us today. Coach us today. God, I pray that we will allow your words to dwell in our hearts so that we can live those out to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So right now, you have this idea of peace. And maybe um, your idea of peace is this. Let me show this. Right? Anybody, anybody raise your hand on that one? That's so peaceful until you have a toddler running around you. Like a lot of you are going to go on vacation thinking you're going to have peace, but actually taking care, you're, you're actually taking care of your kids in some place else that's less convenient. Right? Or maybe you have an idea of peace that looks like this. Oh, man. Spa day that you can go and put cucumbers over your eyes. And you can go relax, put the cell phone to the side, get a massage. I mean, who doesn't want that kind of day? Or maybe for some of you, you're golfers, and this is what your peace looks like. You wake up in the morning, and you go to the golf course, and it's like beautiful. Man, I love it whenever I get to the golf course, and it looks like this. But by the end of the day, it looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost 27 balls. So what does peace actually look like? Here's what I want to do. I want to give you a picture from a biblical perspective. This is a, a picture of a, a storm. And you're like, this is opposite of peace. You're thinking lightnings. You're thinking waves on rocks and, and just a madness. It's so chaotic. But you may not notice there's something in that picture that represents peace. If you notice, there's a bird resting in the middle of chaos. In the middle, here's what I, I believe. I believe this is a picture of biblical peace. And until we find this type of peace, everything that we do in life is a temporary effort for the something that God wants to do in our life. Amidst all the pressure and the storms of that picture, this bird can rest in peace in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of the storm. Jesus gathered his disciples together at the end of his journey or nearing the end of his journey, gathered his disciples together. And what I loved about Jesus, he was intentional about preparing his disciples for a time he wasn't going to be with them. And so he gathered his disciples in John chapter 16, and he spoke, uh, he spoke an encouraging word to them, very motivational, very inspirational. Man, they were with Jesus. Jesus, you're on point. I'm tracking with you. He said things like this, your sadness will go away. Like whenever I'm gone, though you're going to grieve, your sadness is going to go away. There will be joy. He said things like, just ask and you will receive, uh, you will receive and your joy will be made complete. I'm tracking with you, Jesus. This is amazing. I love what you're saying. But then he transitions. In verse 33, he shows up. He said, I've told you these things that you may have peace. Good. We're tracking in this world, you will have trouble. Well, time out. But wait, take heart. I've overcome the world. Now let's go back. Because you said what? I thought when we followed you, 
I thought when we put our trust in you, I thought when we put our faith in you, then there won't, wouldn't be any trouble anymore. And Jesus, in fact, is saying the opposite. He's saying, you can expect it. He's saying, you can expect it. This is really not an option. You see, the first point is this. Peace is not the absence of conflict. You can't get rid of conflict. You can't get rid of it. You can't rid of, get rid of confusion by changing your situation. As hard as it is that we try to eliminate conflict, there's always something that disrupts our life. Try going on vacation and you sit in, and sit in traffic for two hours. Try going on a vacation and then your flight is delayed. All these things are disruptors of the peace that we try to get in this life. A peace that comes from just simply changing our circumstances or our situation is what I like to call a temporary escape. We're just escaping things temporarily. I like to call this worldly peace. That's what worldly peace, everything that we do in this life and what this life has to offer is only a temporary escape for what God is really wanting to do. A temporary escape is a counterfeit peace, by the way. It's a counterfeit peace. We sometimes, we oftentimes want this temporary escape and we do things to mask what's really going on within us. That's why we get home from a long day's work and we sit down and we scroll through social media not, uh, mindlessly to numb some things. That's why maybe you play video games or maybe you have an excessive shopping that you've got to do because you believe that if you just go out and you can get rid of everything else, you go out and just shop and look at racks. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes we, we do that to avoid what's really going on in our lives. Or maybe we have this, this unbelievable need to impress other people. Some temporary escapes are fun and good, but if they are escapes that replaces what God is intended for you to have, then it's dangerous. You know what they do? They become addictions that mask what's really going on inside. Jesus was really trying to teach his disciples about what real peace is, about peace that lasts, everlasting peace, eternal peace, peace that doesn't go away. And I love this because Jesus put his disciples in crazy situations to be able to prove this to them. Remember Jesus and his disciples when Jesus was on the boat with his disciples? And Jesus did something really fascinating. Matthew chapter 8 says this. Then he got in the boat with the, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. This was not any sort of storm. This was a crazy storm. This is water over boat. This is I'm feeling like I'm going to drown. And I imagine, um, I imagine there was a lot of chaos in this situation. But Jesus was sleeping. He was taking a nap. There was water probably going right beside him. As water crashed on the boat, it was probably going beside him. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went down and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Dramatic. But they thought this was it. There's no escaping. There's no hope. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and he, it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And Jesus is saying, trust me. Have faith in me. In me. Rely on my presence to give you 
peace. Because why? Because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And Jesus is constantly reminding his disciples that his presence gives peace. And that's your next point. Peace is the presence of God in the middle of conflict and confusion. He's right in the middle of it. And when, when you and I, when we signed up to be a follower of Jesus, when we signed up to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus never said there wouldn't be any trouble. He said, expect it. Expect the trouble. Jesus doesn't offer to change our circumstances. He offers to change our hearts in the middle of those circumstances. That's what he offers to us. You see, we still live in a fallen world, messed up, broken, screwed up, filled with people who are fighting against each other and fighting against God. See, that was the goal from the very beginning, is that God would live at peace with people that he created. Since the Garden of Eden, people have been fighting against God and with others. The Bible calls this sin. And maybe you've heard these words before. Maybe you haven't. My prayer is that you, if you haven't heard these words, that these words uh, would penetrate your heart for the truth of these words. The Bible calls this sin. Paul explains it in this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, we all are in this boat. Nobody missed this boat. You see, God made us to reflect his goodness, his wisdom, and his creativity to the world. But instead of following his guidance, fulfilling his purpose, and living to the truth of how he created us, we insisted on going our own way. And here's the best part. You can't miss this because while we are still enemies with God, Romans 5.10 says this, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. See, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and our sins so that God's wrath would turn from us to him so that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And, and peace and forgiveness are available to anyone to, to trust Jesus for salvation. Romans 5, 1 said this, since you've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus. So ever since the Garden of Eden, the goal has been to get back to the Garden of Eden. The goal has been to create that, 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 that relationship that we had with God since the Garden of, Garden of, of Eden. And, and it would be through Jesus to usher in the peace of God through his sacrifice on the cross. It would be through his pain that we can have peace. Through his pain that we can have peace. And that's the next point. Peace of God starts with Jesus. We can't move forward without starting with that. The peace with God starts with Jesus. Isaiah the prophet, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, said this. He said, for to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, until you recognize this, you will try to satisfy real needs in wrong ways. What in your life is a temporary escape for what God can actually give you peace in? What is it? 
And Jesus, again, was preparing his disciples for a time. He, he wasn't going to be here. In John chapter 14, he says this, All this I've spoken while still with you. In other words, I'm, I'm with you. I'm still with you. And I said all these things while still with you, but I want you to know that I'm going away. It's, it shouldn't be a surprise to the disciples. And he said this, but the advocate, I love this, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who gives the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace I give is different. It's different. Amidst all the chaos, it's the one that, that lasts. And what is he talking about here? And what I love about it, he brings up the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And, and I want you to know that the temple back then was the place of peace. That's where you went to get peace, okay? The Old Testament talks about the temple. New Testament, as you get to the New Testament before Jesus, was, it was all about the temple. Then Jesus came. And so the people really believed that the temple was the place they got peace. Okay, Jesus is saying, it's not it. The temple is no longer the place you get peace. You don't, and also he's pointing to himself. He's saying, look, my physical presence is not even where you get that kind of peace. Because this physical presence is going away. But your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit whom lives inside of you. That's why he said, it's better for me to go away. You're going to be able to do greater things that I'm away because the Holy Spirit is going to come. Whenever you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to help us experience the peace of God. Does that make sense? Like we have the Holy Spirit as well, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about personal peace. How do, you, how do you establish personal peace? The peace that Paul speaks about whenever he's writing from prison, by the way, he wrote these words from prison, and that's why he could write these words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all under, understanding. Which sometimes you don't, even, you don't even understand why you have this kind of peace. Do you know those people in your life that in the middle of chaos, in the middle of confusion, they seem to be peaceful people? When they walk into the room, they carry peace with them. When they're going through some hard times, they seem to be calm. Is that they have peace that transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. That word shalom means flourishing. So Jesus, he came to usher in a flourishing of peace in our lives. Jesus will give you the peace with God so that you can experience the peace of God. He'll give you peace with God so that you can experience the peace of God. Now, here's the thing. I do recognize there's nuances into living, living out our peace. Like we can, we can be at peace with God. But, but also, here's the next point. We can be at peace with God, but still struggle to experience the peace of God. You know what I mean? It may be hard. There's things going on in our lives. Maybe you're saying, I seem to lack peace right now. I'm struggling on my faith journey, and I don't know why. I can't seem to focus. 
right? Uh, it may be that a past trauma has surfaced in your life and it's caused so much pain and so much anxiety and so much fear for you. Or maybe you, you're in a place of you feel like everybody's out to get you. Right? You feel like everybody in the world's out to get you. Your family's out to get you. Your friends are out to get you. You just lack peace. This week, uh, past two weeks, I've, I've you know, been studying on peace and having different conversations of peace. And um, Amy Alexander, who's the executive director of Center for, uh, Refuge Center for Counseling, is a good friend of mine, a partner of Rolling Hills, and just asking her about it. Why do people lack peace? Like, why, why do they struggle? And these are some things that she gave to me. A, a lack of peace could be due to too much information, right? Too much news, social media that you're allowing into your mind and you're dwelling on those things and you feel responsible for the things that you cannot control. How many would say, man, I need to just take in less news. I need to take in less social media in my life because I also can play the comparison game. And that doesn't, that doesn't make me in a peaceful place. Or maybe a lack of peace could mean that you're grieving something. You've had profound loss in your life that cannot be ignored. And you're trying to figure out what to do with that. Or maybe a lack of peace could be a reflection of not having good boundaries. You're letting people take advantage of you. You're not willing to step in and have the hard conversations with people. You haven't had those good boundaries in your life and you haven't established those boundaries for you. Maybe a lack of peace could be a check engine light. I love this example. Because you're driving down the road and a check engine light comes on. Or you just don't, maybe not, you don't know what's wrong with the car. There's something in the car is wrong. And you've got to address it. And maybe that check engine light for you is anxiety, frustration, anger, you're tired. And I believe that check engine light um, is intended to help us become aware that we have a need and desire that is unmet. Maybe you need rest. Maybe you have this check and you've been going, 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 and you haven't taken time to rest. This past week, man, uh, my body, you're like, man, you, you were studying on peace all week and, and then you're struggling with peace. That's the way it goes. Like this past week, I, I, was, I was doing studying, but I was busy. And, and it was earlier in the week. And, and my schedule was just woke up early, went to bed late, right? And I was working um, late hours. And so uh, eventually, the check engine light came on and I ignored it. Like I was a little frustrated. I was a little tired. And then Wednesday came and I was still going. And about 10 a.m., my body just completely shut down. I began to ache. I wasn't feeling well. I couldn't function. So I went home at 10 o'clock, got in bed, and didn't get out of bed till the next morning. I didn't address the check engine light. And what God was doing is, I need you to rest in me. I, I need you to pause because I'm trying to teach you something about my peace. My peace that you find in me. Maybe you need to have an honest conversation with your spouse. Maybe you need to start giving back to the community more. This unrest is intended to lead us towards taking next steps towards healthier relationships with ourselves, with God, and with others. You and I, we both need tools to get us back to peaceful places.
Again, you can experience peace with God, but still struggle to experience the peace of God. So here's the tools of peace that I want to give to you. Tools of peace. Maybe it's Christian counseling that you need to go see a counselor to be able to get some, some tools to help you fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe it's quiet time. How many just pause? Before you pack your schedule, pause and have a quiet time with the Lord. Right? And maybe it's just sitting in silence. And what I found is that maybe God has um, better things to tell me than I have to tell him. So I need to start listening more to him. The quiet time. Spiritual mentors. Maybe you have a spiritual mentor in your life that's there to help lead you and guide you and encourage you. Or, or go, for, go for a walk. Like you see these check engine lights come on. And maybe it's your opportunity to just go for a walk right? See God's creation. Get out in God's creation. Uh, create margin in your life. Worship, man. Put on some worship music in your car as you're driving to work, as you're driving back home. Put on some worship music. And what I love is yesterday we had a preschool um, worship album release party, and we got to listen to the worship songs. And what I love to do with my kids is put on worship music for my kids so that they can hear the biblical truths, right? That it can rest in them, so that they could live out those biblical truths, right? To put that on repeat, to rest in, in, in worship, prayer, having a conversation with God, not neglecting the creator of the universe who created you and he also created your day. Study God's word. What better way to know more about him than to study his word? Practice attitude of gratitude. Every night we try to do this with my six-year-old. And we try to say, hey, what are three things that you're thankful for today? Just three. Just three. Because we want to develop an attitude of gratitude. But what about us? Are we developing that attitude of gratitude um, community group? Getting involved with a group of people who are going to link arms with you and walk through this life. Now, there's a flip side to these. These are all tools to get us back to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But the flip side of that is there's tools of peace, but there's also tools of chaos that Satan uses, the enemy uses against us. He uses busyness. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, right? Isolation. By the way, this one is interesting because you can be in a group of people but still feel isolated. You can still feel alone. He's going to use past failures. You don't deserve it. Do you remember the time you did this? You're not good enough. Or a comparison or jealousy, anger. How many you just, you're just angry all the time or frustration or distraction? The things that we get distracted by are rarely as important as the things we get distracted from, by the way. Distraction. To all these things the enemy has, because here's the reality. Until we get back to a peaceful place, we will never live at peace within ourselves. And it may seem like an impossibility to live in peace with other people, which we are called to do, have peace with others. As we transition to peace with others, we're called to carry this peace to the world around us. This is what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. They will be called children of God. He didn't say blessed are the peace wishers. Blessed are the peace hopers. 
or, or the peacekeepers or the peace lovers. He said peacemakers. In the world that is ugly, filled with violence and hate, Jesus said, I want you to make peace. We aren't given a choice whether to be peacemakers or not. We are also not given a choice which, which type of world that we're going to be living in. As bad as things get, this is the only world that we have. And if we are going to uh, be true to our Lord, we are called to be peacemakers in it. Here's what I've noticed over the past few years, and maybe you have too, is that when peacemakers become peace breakers, it creates chaos. When peacemakers become peace breakers, it creates chaos. That's why I believe so many people are thrown by the Christian community. Because for some reason, if we're not careful, we can become more interested in winning than bringing peace. Right? That, that's, that's why I think we have a lot of the next generation that are leaving the church and not drawn to the church. Unfortunately, our kids have not seen the better side of this over the past few years with those who claim to be Christ followers. They've seen, they've seen uh, peace breakers. They're supposed to be peacemakers. And I'm not talking about compromising truth of God's word. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about, we're talking about helping people experience peace with God through the love of God. We cannot claim Christ, but then on our social medias cause disruption and division. We cannot claim Christ, but then on our social media cause disruption and division. Why? Because he's called us to be peacemakers. When peacemakers become peace breakers, it gets confusing and we lose our witness for Christ. Right? When peacemakers become peace breakers, it gets confusing and we, we lose our witness for Christ. The term peacemaking in Greek is the verb I, to do or to make. It's an action. It mandates action. It's, it, it, peace is meant to be made. It just doesn't happen by chance. We are called to make it. Unfortunately, when we read the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, we smile blandly and say, oh, that's nice. That's really sweet. But I would say that blessed, uh, peacemaking is not nice and it's not sweet. Peacemaking is messy. It takes a lot of work. It's wrenching. It's hard to do. It takes a lot of an emotional energy for us. It's like crossing a fast-moving creek on slippery rocks. Sometimes you step and sometimes you slip. Sometimes it's risky. You might get bruised and sometimes you don't even make it across, but it's worth it. And let's be honest. Can I be honest? Sometimes peacemaking doesn't work. You didn't think I was going to say that one. Sometimes peacemaking doesn't work. Paul wrote this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are to live at peace with everyone. That's a pretty clear command. But Paul says an important phrase here. If it is possible. Sometimes peace is not possible. There are cantankerous people who walk around this earth. Right? There are people that are just hard to deal with. There are people that cause disruption. And their goal in life is to bring chaos. And you know these types of people because they walk into the room and immediately the room fills with tension. And it's like, man, they are just out to get everybody else. You can't have peace with people like that. However, 
Let's focus on the next part. As far as it depends on you. The testimony of the church is the ability to love people well, no matter what side of the aisle you fall on. Is the ability to love people well. And we have a God-given, scripturally directed responsibility to pursue peace. Does it mean we agree with everybody all the time? No. But I think we do come to a place where we agree to disagree agreeably. Right? We, we, we become, we are called to be bridge builders to the world. Bridge builders. And, and moving into the last point, here's what I want to give you. Because you can't make what you don't have. You can't make what you don't have. Meaning, peace needs a way to grow. Peace needs a way to, you can't give what you're running empty on. You can't bring peace if you're not spending time with the Prince of Peace. You, you, you just can't. It's an impossibility. This is true of my life. Times when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, when I'm hangry, when I'm impatient. When I lash out at my kids or my wife. When I'm just out of place. My check engine lights, those are indicators that my check engine lights are, are on. I have some things coming on in my life and, and my schedule and my priority may be out of place and maybe I haven't taken times to take on the tools of peace and spend time with the, with the prince of peace. And I need to realign my schedule. I need to realign some things in my life so that I can be in a peaceful place. Because here's the thing that I'm constantly convicted of. Whenever I walk into a room, when mom and dad comes home, what mom and dad are they getting? Are they getting a peaceful dad? A peaceful parent? Or are they getting a peace breaker? When my, when my check engine light comes on, do I pay attention to it so that I can get into a peaceful place? That way when I encounter my kids, I'm bringing them peace. Do whenever you show up to your work, are they getting uh, the presence of peace or are they getting the creator of chaos? Which one are they getting? This is a high calling for the church to set an example to Christ in the world. If we, if we love our prince of peace and we're called to be like him, then we would really be peace to the world. Jesus said, those who are peacemakers will be known and recognized as what they really are, the children of God. Do people in your life recognize and realize that you're a child of God based on your peacemaking? Are you actively seeking to reconcile people to God? Are you recognized as assisting in God's activity in the world? Peace, it's difficult. This is not an easy subject, by the way. Peace is difficult, but that's the goal. To be a person of peace. And when that happens, our perspective tends to change. We, we stop thinking so temporary and we think more eternal. And no matter what we go through, we know that the peace of God will be with us. What would it be like to know peace with God? Work on personal peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and to live at peace with those around us. There's a guy, his name is Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. Here's a picture of Horatio. Horatio was a businessman. He was an attorney. He owned a lot of real estate in Chicago. And then the Great Fire of Chicago happened in 1871. I don't know if you remember that, but 1871, great, he lost he lost everything. He lost all of his investments. Shortly after that, his son died of scholar fever. His four-year-old son. And thinking that his family needed a much, much uh, or a, a vacation, he's like, man, I'm going to plan a trip to England. And I want to send my family to England. I've got to wait back in, in, for business on business. And he sent his family on ahead. And so they had to take a ship. And so on the ship, they traveled to England, and about halfway through, they had a collision with another ship. 200 people died, including his four other daughters. Devastated. His wife, Anna, lived. She survived the, the wreckage. And she made her way to England, and she simply wrote this, and she telegrammed him and said, Saved alone. What shall I do? When you have grief, when you're just angry, when you're thinking, where's the hope? She said, saved alone, what shall I do? What shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. And at one point during the journey, the ship was crossing over the wreckage. And the captain called for Horatio and said, Horatio, this is the spot where your family passed away. And so looking over that spot, Horatio was thinking about his daughters and thinking about his family and thinking about all the losses that he had. And he wrote down words of comfort and hope that filled his heart and mind. And he wrote them down. And we, the church, have sang these, these words for centuries. And this is what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Perhaps we cannot always say that the things in this life, um, we can't say it is well from all aspects of our lives. Maybe you're there. There will be storms in life. There will be tragedies that we face. But faith in a loving God and trust in his divine help, we can confidently say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Are you needed at peace today? Maybe your response here is, man, you don't have peace with God. And, and it's time for you to give your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, to be at peace with God. But maybe you're in the room, you're like, man, I have peace with God. I'm just struggling to experience the peace of God. Do you have tools? Do you have people in your life that are point you back to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, so that you can experience peace with others and be a peacemaker? Are you in need of peace today? Father, we love you. Our prayer is that we can turn to the Prince of Peace.
that you offer everlasting peace, a, a peace that never fails, that never goes away. And no matter the, the things that happen in this life that cause us so much frustration and anxiety and all these things, that God, you are present. That for those who put their trust in you, you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us to give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, my prayer is that, God, we would respond to the peace that you have in our lives. That, God, we would use those tools that you've given us to provide us with a peaceful spirit and a peaceful place that you want us to have with ourselves and others. God, we love you. We're grateful for Jesus and the giver of peace. In your name we pray. Amen. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.